Memphis, 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 What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and today we have back with us, he is the co-host, Ryan. What's up, man? Still enjoying and living in that drubbing from Game 5. Very, very, still riding that high. Feeling very good right now. Yeah, Hold on, hold on. Once I think we have uh, breaking news, real quick. The Grizzlies just scored again. It was it was crazy. <laughs> like they literally are not stopping. Um, I I think they touched down in San Francisco and scored again. So I'm not sure exactly if if that's going to count before the game or not. But the Grizzlies won one thirty four to ninety five. Like, did you did you see that coming? Because I have my thoughts on that completely, but did you see that yourself, that game going that direction? No, of course not. I don't think anybody in this world would have predicted a almost 40-point win for the Grizzlies at home. I mean, I think a lot of people uh, thought that Grizzlies had a great chance to win, especially after basically giving away one at the Chase Center in Game 4. But I don't think anybody could have foreseen um, a 40-point win. And if you did say that, you were just saying it to say it. You didn't actually believe it. Yeah, so the Grizzlies win by 39. I did see somebody have a ticket that the Grizzlies would win by uh, by plus 31 or whatever. So, sorry, not plus 31, by 31 plus. So that That means that... Nice ticket. Yes, um, and it was a very large ticket. Uh, and I want to say they cashed out at half. They put in 25 and cashed out for 150 by halftime. So uh, not bad for them. Um, I actually was going to put money on the game um, for the Grizzlies to win by 15-plus because I felt like there was potential for the Grizzlies to win by 15-plus. Uh, but when I forgot that I didn't do it, I was actually traveling for work, and I was in uh, Missouri, and so I could not actually put the bet in, so I felt like that was probably um, Jesus telling me, don't do it. Just just stay away. <laughs> don't do it. Take the wheel. Um, take the yeah, wheel, Lord. Jesus, take the wheel. So uh, watching the game, how did you feel uh, just going through the entire game? Was there ever just a moment you're just like, you know, this is, this is pretty awesome? Not a specific moment because even though we were up 20, whatever it was, seven at half, still nervous. And that's probably just because of the just it, respecting your foe, uh, just respecting right. the Warriors on what we've seen them do in the past, how they can turn it on and have a de- devastating third or fourth quarter. So there wasn't a specific moment where I was like, oh, this is in the bag. But probably at the end of the third or halfway through the third when they increased the lead 
up to 40 or 45, whatever it was. Did it get up to, it got up to 50. No, it didn't get up to 50, did it? Yeah, um, 55. Okay, 55. I couldn't remember. But at halfway through the third, when they increased it by 20 points, I was like, okay, this is done. And the Warriors likewise folded and start playing all their subs immediately. So I knew we were good after that, but not a specific moment. I was like, Oh yeah, this is our night. Yeah. I felt like it was our night uh, when the things were going well, when every time that felt like the warriors were getting uh, just kind of a run back, the Grizzlies always shut it down and would push the lead out. And realistically, like the end of the first were, uh, I think they pushed it out to it was close to either seven or so at the end of the first. Um, it just felt good, but then even going into half, like they were not winning by that much, and then all of a sudden they they turned it on and I think went up by I think it was fourteen or so. Um, I don't exactly remember. I, I have it all written down, uh, but I did not bring my notes with me. I left them in my truck, so we'll blame that. But uh, the <laughs> moment your notes that in I your truck. <laughs> Well, I, I I did my notes while I was driving home, and uh, uh. <laughs> so that's why I'll blame I'll blame it on that. Driving, looking at your phone, and taking notes—all great ideas. While you're driving, they're just great ideas. Uh, but it was uh, it was it was crazy though. Just looking back on on, on the entire game, um, I I knew that the game was over once they. Uh, actually took out Steph and Draymond both. Uh, it was midway through the third quarter. When they took them both out at the same time, I knew it was over. I knew they were throwing in the white flag uh, or throwing in the, the white towel there. So uh, anyway, enough about that. Uh, but I think the Grizzlies, they played very well, and I think it will be a game that uh, we'll look back on with fond memories. But also, I think that's a telltale sign of really what we're looking at with the rest of the series. Not that about the blowout in general. I think about the gameplay because the Grizzlies made their adjustment. And so now it's the Warriors' turn because that's how it always works. One team does well. It's going to be a big adjustment. So let's go ahead and break down the game a little bit because I don't want to go into the, the numbers of the last game. I think that Yes, having three guys that scored 21 points is awesome. But let's go ahead and talk more about the upcoming game because I think that'll just break down exactly how they did it in Game 5 as well. So let's talk about Game 6. What happens in... Um, let's go ahead and just talk some gameplay. Any adjustments you see from the Warrior side of them actually doing uh, a certain adjustment that you like or you know you think they should do? I don't know if you can have a... Like- what specific adjustment can you do with this team? Because Draymond said it himself in his own podcast. Uh, the Grizzlies, without jaw, the ball just moves more. There's more motion on offense. Everybody's touching it. And they don't really care who shoots it. And it's just whoever gets the best shot, take it. Goes in, great. If it doesn't, well, that's okay. We'll keep doing it. Um, so it is harder to game plan for that because you're not keyed in on one person. And I think that's why the stupidity of people saying that the Grizzlies are better without jaw is because when you have a bright supernova of an offensive player like that, all the defense is honed in on that one person, right? And right. so right. you can't really do that with this version of the Grizzlies, which is why they have been good at this all season long. The only thing you can do from the Warriors is 
the person that you really have to keep track of, which they've been doing all series anyways, is Desmond Bate. And he looked better in Game 5, but heck, who on our team didn't look game five, look good Game 5, okay. except for except for Jarrett Culver, RIP, my guy. Um, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Little Wiggle in him is gone because poor dude got like nine minutes, which was absolutely horrible. But um, it, it has to start with Desmond Bain. And I think if the war, you're the Warriors, I think they were trying to trade off that we'll try to control Desmond, we'll let everybody else shoot. And it just so happened that you got a good three-point shooting night from the Grizzlies. What was it, 41% plus from the three? Uh, so I think they're not really going to change anything that they did because what else can you really do, right? It's basically, are the Grizzlies going to make or are the Grizzlies going to miss? So I think this game plan isn't going to change at all much for the Warriors that it's going to be noticeable. I still think a lot of Grizzlies are going to get open shot. Yes, I, I, the Warriors will obviously be more active, for sure. But this is an older team that's not very athletic. So it's not like all of a sudden they're just going to crank up the defensive level and all of a sudden show us a, something that we haven't seen from them in two series so far. So to me, it's going to be stay in your gaps, stop the driving lanes, actually box out and defensive rebound this time. And then if the Grizzlies go back-to-back 40% games from three, well, what can you do about it? So I think the open shooters are going to be there still for the Grizzlies. It's just not – you're not going to cover everybody. And the Warriors, Draymond just can't do it by himself. And he's playing with a couple bad defensive players. Like if you're relying on Draymond and Andrew Wiggins to cover up all the wing penetration and kickouts, it's just not going to happen. So I don't think there's a specific thing that the Warriors can do besides what they've been doing already, and that was locking and trailing and shading everything that Desmond Bain does on and off ball. Yeah, so what I'm looking at is on the offensive end for the Warriors. So the Warriors have scored 196 points in the last two games combined, which will be the last two games without John Morant. So with that being said, I'm looking at this with uh, the, the, the lens of the Warriors on the offensive end, and that is they have been running the ball through Draymond more often, which that normally is their way you know, that they, they would run their offense, which is fine. But I don't think you can actually do that as much when you have somebody like um, you know, the Grizzlies are on defense. So I think that they're going to get the ball into Steph's hands early and often and actually run screens if not a a staggered screen possibly off of that trying to put Steven Adams into harm's way but also putting him out on the island more I think that's what they're trying to get to which I I have an opinion on that as well which I'll share later but I really think that's that's their way that they can get their open shots because looking at a a Mike Brown coach team which we're looking at because I don't know if you know this or not, but but people, Steve Kerr is not coming back for game five. Or sorry, game six. It's practically impossible. And the reason I say that is because he's gonna be he he just tested positive. Uh what was it, Monday? Like it's gonna be right at a hundred hours from the time he tested positive until the game time of game six. 
So a hundred hours, that's a little over four days. That is, I don't know if you can have two negative tests within 24 hours that, that would actually like clear you. So my thinking is, is Steve Kerr's not there and you're talking about another, you know, coach team by Mike Brown. I think that they're going to, you know, try to do, you know, the whole Steph thing with, because I, I don't know what else you do because the the lineups that they're putting out, at one point they put out Draymond and Kevon Looney together. Like that's two players that are not going to shoot the ball. So at that point you literally just sag off and all the guards overplay on the on the three-point shooters, which are Clay, Steph, and Jordan Poole. And that's really where they kind of got stuck. But then looking at what the Warriors have on offense, they might not have Otto Porter. He just hurt his knee. So is he, even if he is back, is he kind of, is he a shell of himself a little bit? He's just, he's just a guy who can play out on the perimeter. And so that's what I look for them. They have to go with the, with like a six or seven man uh, crew for game six. Like they're going to be tired as well. And that's the other thing I think the Grizzlies can take advantage of, but but going on the Warriors' lens of things, I really do think they have to get the pick and roll with Steph because if you don't put Stephen Adams in a in a pick and roll and bring him out on the perimeter, he clogs up the lane completely. So that's what I would do. Uh, do you have a rebuttal for that? Well, first off, with in regards to the Steve Kerr thing, I don't think he matters one bit. I don't think wow. he changes anything at all. I Steve Kerr is a good players' coach. And he's good at like the psychology stuff. I think he's been notorious in the in the past for not being being very good at in game adjusting. So I think there is True. literally no difference between him and Mike Brown. Like it's just unfortunate for Mike Brown that he gets named the Kings <laughs> coach and then the Warriors just have sucked. But here's the thing: the Warriors have not really been good all series outside of Dylan's suspension game. Uh, so in the four games that Dylan's played this series, the Warriors are averaging 103, ha- 103 and a half points per game. And that's wow. including yeah. game one where they scored 117. So I, there's just something about Dylan. Like, yes, does can he get cooked by Steph? Sure. Did he get cooked in game four at the end? Sure. But... Regardless, the Warriors still scored, what, 102, 103 points in that game four? Like they needed a 40-point quarter to get over 100 points? So I I don't know what they're going to do offensively. They're so limited. Um, They just do not have a lot of options. And Clay is a complete shell of himself. He's not the same player. I don't know why we keep expecting him to be back to the level he was three years ago, that guy is gone. Now, the thing I will caveat say that with, we've been talking a couple times about this being a series of team strengths, right? Well, last night was finally the Grizzlies overwhelm them on offensive rebounds, right? We knew that game was coming. And game five was it. Killed them on the offensive glass, which led to a ton of second chance points. We haven't had the clay game. And in the past, mm. I would have said that would this is the prime 
scenario for the clay game. But the thing is, I just don't think clay can do it anymore. I mean, he had one of his best games of the series last night or the other night for right. game five, and he had 19 points. Like, do I really think Clay's going to go yeah, off for had... 25 or 30 plus? Uh, I just don't think he's that guy anymore. So now it's truly just Steph getting going, <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, um, and Jordan Poole, who Jordan Poole was terrible in game five too. The Grizzlies have kind of figured out Jordan Poole a little bit too, uh, after he just blew by him the entire game in uh, game three when they blew him out. So. I just, I think that I tweeted last night or after the game that I dare the bookmakers to put the Grizzlies as 10 and a half point dogs again and <laughs> didn't respect it's them at and all and gave them two points, eight and a half. And I'm telling you again, eight and a half is good as gold. I just don't see how this game is not another close game that's in the mud. I just don't see it. I just don't think the Warriors are really that team outside of the aberration in Game 3 when Dylan Brooks was out. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a close game, and it's all about are the Warriors going to make shots. And that's about all that they have. Are they going to make shots or not? And if that's the only thing that you have, you're not really a great team. Like, I would not consider you a title-contending team. Sure, you might get fortunate, and they're probably going to advance in this series because one of these last two games are going to finally catch up to this young core for the Grizzlies. But, like, this is not a championship-contending team after I've watched them this entire series. So I, I don't know what else they can do differently on offense. Um but it is setting up to be the quote-unquote clay game because he ha we haven't had one of those yet, and it's been this kind of series. So we'll see. But I just don't see it being, I think, eight and a half points is ridiculous to give this Warriors team to if you've watched them this entire series. Like, I'm just baffled. Do you think that they wasted the clay game last night or whatever night it was, Wednesday night? I guess so. I mean, sure, if he had probably played the rest of the game, would he have gotten empty stats and gotten 25, 28, maybe? Uh, maybe that's a good counter-argument yeah. to that. Maybe that was the clay game, just nobody else showed <laughs> up. I, I just I just don't see it from clay. He's not the same guy. I don't know how anybody can assume that he's going to go off. So I think game six is going to be ugly once again and i actually think the grizzlies could actually come out of there with a win now and i wouldn't have felt that way four days ago that they could have gone into chase yeah. and forced a game seven yeah it's going to be an uphill battle just because um from what happened last time but i do like the the fact on dylan brooks as well as uh, the Grizzlies did not have stephen adams for game one and two right and so that was a different style of game uh, and then when he did come back, uh, Stephen Adams was that that game three where he played just those few minutes. And ever since he's been in the starting lineup, I, I want to say he's a plus thirty three overall. Like he has played very well. And the second best plus minus in this series is who Ryan for the Grizzlies side. Uh, second best plus minus in this series. 
Yep. I would say it's Tyus Jones. Nope. It's actually Dylan Brooks. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I don't know the, the number <laughs> on top of my head. I um it's it's probably on my notes in my truck as well. Uh, but he they uh so Dylan and Steven Adams have the best um you know complete plus minus out of the Grizzlies so far. And the reason is is if you look at those games, um they both miss games, right? So it's it's less of a sample size, so it's kind of cheating. But uh the Grizzlies they have played well. And so let's look at a lot of the matchups and, and some of the things I'm watching. Uh, one, I'm going to start off with Desmond Bain. So he played much better in that last game. He had 21 points. Uh, and the reason is, and you can go check this out at Grizz Lead. Go, uh, go follow us if you don't already, but it's at Grizz Lead, at Grizz underscore lead. Uh, but go follow us. I put up a, a video there, and um, it was pretty much of something that, Dil, uh, that Desmond Bain did last game that I really liked. And the re- and what it is is they did a you know just kind of a screen. They had a little bit of action where there was some movement involved, um, but then Desmond Bain comes over a pick that wasn't you know wasn't a great pick because Stephen couldn't get there to completely uh, hit him as much as he could, and it was Steph Curry. So Steph Curry is coming behind Desmond Bain, and honestly, what normally happened, especially in the last few games. Desmond Bain catches that ball off the pick, and he's trying to just shoot a three because you get a little bit of space, pull up three. That's the same thing that Steph was thinking that he was going to do. But all he, the only thing he did was he did the small, quick hesitation like you normally would do with a, with a three-point shot, and he just dribbled straight into the lane and ended up getting fouled for an and one. And it, it doesn't seem, oh, that's so critical or though that's so outlandish. The fact that Desmond Bain is able to put the ball on the floor now and get to the front of the rim is crazy. It's great because he's not been able to do that due to his back. But the other thing is, is they have to respect his dribble drive now. And that's one of the biggest things is if he has the ability to do the flyby, which which he did that more this last game, but if he also has the ability to put the ball on the floor, they can't overplay as much as they've been overplaying him. And so... That's what I saw with Desmond Bain in in that game is him finally getting back to his old ways and putting the ball on the floor and finally getting to the front of the rim. Yeah, it's – I mean, the man takes <laughs> – he took a couple falls that reminded me of, like, Ninja Turtle moves. He's just so, like, <laughs> short-arm muscle-bound that he just I, – I, I, I'm glad that he's – feeling better and he looked more spry in game five but dear god like don't heal your back just to blow out a shoulder or, you know jams or break your clavicle diving for something on the ground so um he's like he could have a great game in game six but i i actually think that your second guy in plus minus for the grizzlies is going to have a vengeance game six that is going to be beautiful unexpected and shock the nba community and that's dylan brooks is going to score 35 plus points in game six wow wow it's gonna happen i'm gonna bet it i'll be happily wrong but it's so due 
that you just can't, like, it's going to be a supernova. This man's going to be hitting all these terrible, falling away, right, left, shooting right, body going left floaters from the nail, all these pull-up threes. I'm telling you, this man is due. He is going to have a huge game in Chase Center. He knows he sucked. He said, he said that as much in all of his interviews. It's going to happen. And I'm telling you, it's going to be game six. It's one of the reasons why I like the Grizzlies to actually push it to seven. I think this is the absolute Dylan game. And it, I, it's going to melt Twitter, especially Grizzlies Twitter and Warriors Twitter. <laughs> and I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm betting it. I can't wait for it to happen. Wow. That's another, uh, that's a hot take. Hot. Very hot. Spicy. Very spicy. Uh, All right. So let's keep getting into uh, some of the matchups and things to watch for. Uh, Something else to watch for. Uh, The Grizzlies are hiding Tyus Jones on who? Do you you know who they're putting Tyus Jones on for the Warriors? If I hadn't watched the game back, but if I had to guess, it's Wiggins. (laughs) No, it's on uh, Clay Thompson. They're mm. hiding Tyus Jones on Clay Thompson, and the reason is is because if for some reason Clay wants to get into the lane and take those two point shots, fine. The Grizzlies will live with that. He can't get you know on a complete roll shooting those two point shots. He just can't you know because he doesn't. That's not his game putting the ball on the floor. He's obviously the guy who famously had, what, 13 dribbles in a game when he went off for, you know, got out, what was it, 40, 50 points, yeah, whatever it was. like 50-something so points and 12 yeah. dribbles. Cody would know. Yeah, yeah. It was outlandish, okay? So that's the type of player that Clay would like to be, right? He's not as athletic as he used to be. And so they put Tyus Jones on him. Right. And, and Tyus Jones is a fine defender. What he's doing is he's pretty much – uh, playing back-to-the-basket style basketball. And that's what he's wanting to do. But even if he does do the whole dribble drive, you have Steven Adams that is laying off of Draymond because what are you going to do, pass it to Draymond and let him shoot a three? Please, please, we want that to happen. Okay, And then if for some reason you're able to get by him, there's a guy who potentially is sagging off of somebody else, maybe Andrew Wiggins in the corner. Uh, he might be playing Kevon Looney. He could be on Draymond Green. And that is Jaron Jackson Jr. So with those two guys, they feel comfortable if Tyus can get over screens and be the guy who takes away the three point shot, or it's just a guy who can test Clay. I really do. I really do think that's really what their direction is, and maybe that is why Clay was able to get some more points. But going forward, just watch for that because they're hiding Tyus on Clay Thompson, the great Clay Thompson, the once Tony <laughs> Allen. Was on him and put him in jail because he was playing him so well. But that guy, that Clay Thompson, which he's really not that Clay Thompson anymore. I'm telling you, he is absolutely washed and nobody is talking about it because everyone loves him and I love him. But everyone is giving him a pass for being awful. And he's been bad this entire series. And. Everyone's giving this, giving him this huge lease. I think everybody's just happy that he's back on the basketball court, that everyone is 
overlooking how bad he's been. And so now he's going to go off for 30 since yeah. I say that. Um, but I, I just – he's just not the same guy. It would it would shock me if he went for 25-plus. Wow. Uh, speaking on Clay Thompson, he played 25 minutes last night, had 19 points, played uh, fairly well. Uh, what do you think his plus-minus was in those 25 minutes? Oh, I think I know this. It's like minus 45 or something like that. Minus 45. Yeah. Wow. And that's what everybody and that's what we everybody was looking at and some of the things I was looking through today is his defense it's gone. And I don't know who he's playing on defense. I haven't uh rewatched the game completely back yet. Um uh, but he's definitely a hindrance on defense. And and getting into their entire team, I think that's where they're going to struggle at is on the defensive end. Because they're potentially losing Otto Porter, right, to the injury. Where are they going to go? Jonathan Kaminga, they do not want to play him. He is undersized. The only time he ever plays well is in garbage time when he's able to uh, play against players that are less than him, that aren't equal to him, you know, talent-wise or athleticism. Uh, so how do you think they go in game five or game six? Because you have Draymond Green, they're going to play him, Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, um, and then Jordan Poole. All right, so that's five guys. Do you think they go small? Because who else are they going to pl- play? Bielitsa? You think they're going to go back to Bielitsa? <laughs> um, Juan Toscano Anderson? Like, uh, I don't know, Moses Moody? Damian <laughs> Lee? Like, who are they going to? They have five guys that they have to trust after that. I don't know what they do. Yeah, I mean, obviously Looney's going to play spot minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I don't see Steph and Draymond playing less than 42 minutes. I think they're going to play basically the entire game. And now that's not what they like to do. That's not what Steph likes to do. Um, I, but they have no other options. They have no one else to go right. to that is reliable at all. So when they go to their best lineups, they can't really go to them in long stretches because they have no one to give them a break. So that's why they're kind of, I think that's why they're doing this platooning with Poole coming in. Poole should be starting. I don't know why Poole's not starting. Why is he not starting over Clay? I think that's the biggest mistake of this entire series is that Poole is coming off the bench so Clay Thompson can start. And I just think it's wrong. Um, or you start them together. But that's the thing. Their bench is so thin, they have nothing in depth that can play in this series. I think that's why Poole is um, coming off the bench now. So I I don't know what wow. they're going to do. And it, it really is. They're going to have to shoot well, or the Grizzlies are going to have to shoot themselves in the foot. Like the Grizzlies are going to have to shoot that sub 30% from three. They're going to have to turn the ball over, which is another thing. The Grizzlies are not turning the ball over in this series. Um, I think they have 21 total turnovers in the past two games without Jaw. Okay. Um, That's below league average. That's really good. The Warriors are not forcing any turnovers. So it it only see, I only see it if the Grizzlies, here's how I'll say this. I only see the Grizz losing game six by their own hands. I don't think there's anything that the Warriors can do to them 
that you could say after the game, oh, well, it's the Warriors. We should have known. Um, I think it truly is now a series to where the Grizzlies shoot themselves in their own foot. And that's the reason why they don't win this series, not just game six. So if you finally have the 17 to 20 turnover game for the Grizzlies, all right, like just dumb turnovers and stupid stuff. If you shoot sub 30% from three again, all right. Um, But it's not going to be by anything that the Warriors are capable and or are doing to the Grizzlies. That's kind of how I am with this series now. And no one will agree with that. And maybe I should give Warriors a little bit credit. Um, I'm not saying they're a bad team, but they have not shown in five games, besides game three when Dylan was out, that they could do anything, dictate anything to this Grizzlies team. Besides the Grizzlies getting out of their own way or messing themselves up. Yeah, just looking at the numbers to this, um, I really do think that Steph Curry has to go off for 40 uh, for the Warriors to win. And uh, it, it could be a combination of things. Like, obviously, if the Grizzlies don't shoot well, they shoot like they did uh, back in game four, then then really you, you the first one to 100 at that point, right? Because the Grizzlies aren't scoring. But if the Grizzlies are playing somewhat good basketball and they're able to, you know, play well where they can score 105, 108, then they really have a really good chance to win this game. With the simple fact that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the main two scorers for them right now. Jordan Poole, I'm not saying he can't, but the Grizzlies have kind of made him more of a priority over Klay Thompson. And that goes back to the point of, putting Tyus Jones on a guy like Clay Thompson, knowing that you can also throw on DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, uh, even Dylan Brooks if you need to. Uh, some of those guys that could play on somebody like Jordan Poole, they're bigger than Jordan Poole. So you can beat him up a little bit. And so, yes, you have Steph who can go off, and Steph will probably score 30 points you know, in game six. But where else is the scoring coming from? Clay has to be at least a 20-point scorer. If he goes off for 30, that's that's 50, right? So that means you have to find 50 points somewhere else on this team. That's not Draymond Green. He might score you, you know, five or so. And then you're talking about Kevon Looney, a few points, right? We're, okay, so we're at maybe, let's say, 55 Andrew Wiggins has to be your third best scorer, and he can be, but his problem is is he can't get the offensive rebounds like he was in those first few games because Steven Adams is out there and, and Jaron's playing like he like he's a bigger Jaron. Like he's playing well on the on rebounding, especially he did that last game. So I really do think that the Grizzlies have the opportunity to win because of the firepower that Golden State lost because They've been rescued a lot by Otto Porter Jr. They really have. And even Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins scored, I want to say he's averaging 17 points coming into game five. Like he was averaging 17 points a game, and he scored five points last game. So if the Grizzlies can pay attention to some of these guys like um, like Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, and even if Otto Porter or Bielitsa, if they can actually play well against them, and somebody like Brandon Clark can play on Bielitsa better, or even Jaron Jackson Jr., 
and able to limit those other guys, even if Steph goes off for 30 and Clay goes off for 20, they still have to come up with 50 more points. And I think that's that's where the Golden State Warriors will be their biggest issue. Because even though some people call this the best shooting team, I think they're finally realizing that if you pay attention to Jordan Poole, you can limit him just by being a little bit more physical with him because he's a complete finesse player. Yeah, I I think this is the best shooting team if you're in practice shooting set shots with no defense on you. Yeah, this is the best shooting team. Um, but I, I think the Otto Porter thing is a great point. I don't know if they pulled him out just to be cautious because they saw how the game was going anyways. There's no reason to try to – like whatever he had, it wasn't worth risking making it worse uh, because he literally saved them in game four. I know he had like whatever it was, 12, 14 points, but the timeliness of his threes were honestly what kept it within distance for the Warriors to make that run in the fourth with Steph. Because without his timely threes and his buckets, the Grizzlies are probably up heading into the fourth by 16 to 18. And then the run by Steph doesn't matter because we still win by five or six. So I think you can actually make a realistic case that if Otto Porter doesn't hit down those threes, we have back-to-back games where the Grizzlies win by 15-plus. I, I think that can be mm. something you can actually say. Um, now, there's the hard part about it is you can say that was two really, really bad games by the Warriors back-to-back, and they split them. Um, so they're bound to have another Game 3 type game where they're 60% from the field, 50% from three. They're due for those one every three games. So here's the one every three games. Like game six is the one game where this could be their two games a series. And I think this is what it is for an older team like this on its last legs, trying to infuse young talent like Jordan Poole, who's not really ready. It's not really that great, but whatever. Um, Good player. Not saying he's bad, but... um, these kind of teams that are predominated by movement, motion, and shooting, you don't get as open when you get older, and it turns into not a consistent thing. And we saw this for the past three or four months of the regular season. Um, it's a once every couple games kind of thing. And so it, they're not in trouble this series. They're in trouble going forward into the Western Conference Finals if they make it there, big if. But this is the second game of a series where they could have one of those crazy shooting hot nights. It's possible. Could happen game six. Could happen game seven. Yeah. Well, just looking at this, these numbers, I believe that Otto Porter, uh, he exited the game in the second quarter, and the game was within 10 points. So I don't believe okay. that Otto Porter went out and did not come in due to that being an issue. From my understanding, they said that he was out of the game completely due to him being injured. And so it had nothing to do with the score. I believe the score was actually close uh, when he was still in the game uh, at some mm. point. So that just shows me that the, the the I guess it was close when he was still in the game. So that just, you know, it, it just says that how important he really was. Um, I guess they were down... Uh, I'm sorry, he did come back in with two minutes to go right before half. 
when the game did get close, uh, when they didn't make that big run. So he actually, uh, I'm sorry, he did come back in closer to the second quarter, uh, into the second quarter. So uh, either way, uh, he only played 12 minutes. Uh, but going forward, I, I really do think that the Grizzlies have a fighting chance um, in, in the game. And so um, just looking through everything, Bain looks more healthy. Uh, Tyus is moving the ball like that, like they have. Steven Adams has been someone who can play off of Draymond Green. And that's really where it comes down to is they have to figure out a way to get Draymond Green involved. Because Steven Adams, and I put this poll out, but Steven Adams has outplayed Draymond Green the last two games. Better stats. He's plus 33. He's played much better. And so looking at that, that could be one of the key matchups. Can the can the Warriors take advantage of the Grizzlies on their offensive end to get Stephen Adams off the floor? If they can't, Stephen Adams is able to play more, and he is he is the back line of their defense as well as he is the guy who's getting the the, the offensive rebounds. He's also the guy that is creating those screens. That's given you know those huge and, and gorgeous backdoor cuts. And those passes that are coming from Steven Adams are just chef's kiss. Like he's playing yeah. <laughs> so well and passing so well. So I think Steven Adams is one of the keys uh, players to watch in this matchup as well as, and, and I'll say this and we'll try to get out of here. Uh, but Jaron Jackson Jr. It all depends on if he can stay out of foul trouble again. I really do think that he can be a key. And I think that we're going to look at the first part of the game. And I think you're going to see Draymond, Try to pull some BS early on. I think he's going to try to draw some charges on him uh, because Otto Porter was guarding Jaron a lot of times. And at that point, Jaron was just driving straight into his chest, into his chest. Even though he will spin back the other way sometimes, Jaron is very much a, I want to get to my left hand. He really likes that left hand just kind of pump shot right there in the lane. So, um I would expect that if they do that, maybe they bring in Kevon Looney early on and put him on Steven Adams. And then they, and the reason is, is because they feel like Draymond on Jaron can draw some fouls on him early. So that's something to watch for. I, I don't know if there's a way that you think that that goes, but that'd be the only way you could put uh, J- uh, Draymond on Jaron is to somehow put in Kevon Looney and start him. And at that point, you still get your Jordan pull off the bench and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest adjustment they'll do. I would expect them to start Looney, depending on Otto's health. But I actually think it would be a good start, um, a good idea for the Warriors to actually start Looney. They might not like it, but I I would think I would start Looney to get that matchup um, correctly. Because the thing about Adams is, we have been kind of fortunate that Steph and Clay and Poole coming off those screens, those high pick and rolls, they've been getting those shots because Adams is trying to get up there, but he just can't really. And they just haven't made them so far. So we've kind of been fortunate with that. So he hasn't been uh, completely picked on. I mean, they still put him in stuff and get good options out of it, but they haven't been hitting the high pick and roll stuff that Steph usually hits over kind of lumbering big like like Adams. So I'll be interested right. to see if they kind of dive into that more, but 
If they start Looney, then whoever's playing in help side, Jaron probably guarding Draymond. He's going to help off of Draymond. So Jaron's always going to be in the lane. Um, if you know, on that slip from Looney, if they pass it to Looney in the lane. So I feel pretty confident about triple J holding down Looney and Draymond by himself in the paint and sticking with, you know, clay and Wiggins out on the perimeter. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, the thing about triple J is if you want to talk about fixed, if Jaron's in early foul, two or three fouls in the first half or first quarter even, the game's fixed. I mean, they're going to have to be very obvious because trip, like Jaron is not going to go fall for anything. I think he's kind of really grown and learned that he's got to be in the game. And so he's been more picky and choosy. He hasn't done the stupid fouls where he just goes for something he has no chance of getting and picking up just a dumb foul. He hasn't done that. So I, I really think that if he has two or three early, this is uh, Adam Silver made a call. And all these Warriors fans crying in game one how the game was fixed for the Grizzlies to win, which is an absolutely absurd thought. Uh, I think that there's real potential for this one to get pretty ugly one-sided with the officiating. I think it could get pretty nasty. But for me, I'm watching very simple, basic basketball, watching the rebounds and the turnovers because that's been the story of this series. The Warriors are loose with the ball again, which I don't expect them to be. Grizzlies got a good chance with all those second chance points, second chance points and fast break points. But if the Grizzlies can dominate on the rebounding edge again, offensive rebounding wise, I like their chances to at least be in the game. And you just never know what happens late. But we'll see. Yep. Well, uh, watch this first play of the game. They do their little action, whatever they're running. They get Jaron down to the block, and he has Draymond on him. Mm-hmm. Jaron takes one dribble. Draymond <laughs> stands him up. Jaron takes another hard dribble, Armin, or uh, Armin to uh, Draymond's chest, and Draymond is flopping first play of the game. I'm telling yes. you, watch for it. It's going to happen, and they're going to call it. And that's really their goal is to get Jaron in foul trouble. They know that they have a chance to win. And that's their way. That's their game plan. Their scheme will be to do that. So watch that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it now. Uh, But predictions on the game. Give me your – take your Homer hat off and tell me how the game goes. (laughs) Uh, The Grizzlies win in the Chase Center, 105 to 102. Wow. I like that. Um, So – well, I would say coming uh, after that last game, game four, there's no way in the world I would have picked the Grizzlies to win game six. Um, I wouldn't have picked them to win game five, but I knew that those guys would be pissed off, and I know that the Warriors are cock- just cocky enough that they felt like we just show up and we're good. Like, we can just show up to the game, we'll be fine, we're good enough. Uh, we just had a bad shooting night. Well, looking at the games... They shoot like that because the Grizzlies' defense is is that good. So, outside of the Warriors just going off and the Warriors, you know, you know, winning by twenty five points plus because they cannot miss, you know, similar to Game Three, I think the Grizzlies win this. 
And so I'm going to go ahead and give the Grizzlies the win. 108 mm. to 101. 108, mm. 101. Grizzlies win in the Chase Center. Yeah, I, Man, I think it's... I, I would feel... I, <laughs> yeah, I my... To me, it's either the Grizzlies win or the Warriors win by 30. I do not think there's an in-between. <laughs> I just wow. do not think there's a way that the Warriors cover the 8.5 without it being a blowout. And vice versa. I just I think the Grizzlies win or it's a blowout. Like I just don't think yeah. it's going to be a 9-10 to 10 to 12-point game. I just don't see that happening. So it's either close, yeah. Grizzlies win, or a, blow, a blowout loss. Well, we will see. The game is out on the West Coast again. Man, I hate these late-night games, but we're talking about (laughs) 9 o'clock on Friday night. At least it's a Friday, so maybe we don't have to wake up too early. Um, But if the Grizzlies win on Friday night, 9 o'clock game, getting over around, I I might not sleep. I might not sleep. It's going to be exciting. Uh, they then would have a game. I want to say it's Monday. I would, have, I believe it's Monday. So um, if they do make it to a game seven back in Memphis. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I can't wait. I hope that we're back here again talking about another game. And if not, I, it will be a sad day. Uh, so just stay tuned. Either way, you're going to get a, uh, you'll get some kind of a podcast coming out on Monday. Whether it be a, hey, we're talking about Game 7 podcast, or if it's <laughs> like, hey, let's just talk about the game that was Game 6 and a Grizzlies loss. But we're going to go ahead and say it's going to be all about prep for Game 7 against the Warriors in the Grindhouse. So that's all we have. Let's have a great game. Let's have a great weekend. Be nice and tell your friends. <laughs>